me okay? Alright. So, we've uh, talked a little bit about, of course, who all needs prayers this morning. We've shared a few memories from childhood. Carissa has anyway. Um, one of the things that becomes very important to us when we start talking about our memory is who we are. We like to reminisce of who we are as a family or who we are as a church or community or maybe sometimes when we're talking to somebody we remember them from high school and I don't know about y'all but I was a Viking. Yay! <laughs> some were cougars, some were warriors, some were urchins. I don't, I think they all need bulldogs. So, you know. That's part of who we are, right? That's that's who we identify as. I was also an Indian, ICC. I was also a rebel. I went to Ole Miss. I was also a Phoenix. I got a master's degree from University of Phoenix. And they use the Phoenix as their mascot, even though they don't have a sport team. <laughs> they got the biggest stadium in the country just about, but no sport team. Um, anyway. Uh, but it's important to us to remember who we are or where we come from. For a good bit of our church and our community around here, a lot of people are Russells or Wises or any other number of names, Hookers or Carneses. There's a lot of well-known names in the community. So it's important to us to remember our history important to us to remember where we come from. But Paul addresses that a little bit because that tends to be a worldly thought and the world tends to hold us to that. Well, you're nothing more than that. Sometimes. Right? It's a worldly thought. So Paul addresses it and he kind of tells us what I want to tell you today. Is it doesn't really matter who you are or where you come from. What matters is whose you are. Are you concerned with what the world says and that you belong to this family or that family or went to this school or that school because we all have our rivalries? Or are you concerned with who it is that you serve? Who it is that you worship? And who it is that bought your soul with his blood? See, the important part is not who we are, but whose we are. And while it is important to remember where we come from, because if we forget our history, we will be doomed to repeat it. It's also just as important, if not more important, to remember who it is that we serve. And so Paul tells us in Colossians, he's writing to the church in Colossae, which is a part of Greece. Um, he's writing to this church, so it's mostly Gentiles in this church. And starting in verse 15, he says, he's describing Christ. And just one of the many descriptions of Christ that we get in the New Testament. This isn't a comprehensive description. It's just a piece of it. And it's what Paul wanted to share with the people at this church. He said, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. 
is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Christ was there at the beginning. See, we recognize today the Holy Trinity. We see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we recognize that openly and we see it. But it wasn't as clear to the people in this time that there were three parts. They knew of God. And they knew of Jesus. And they knew that Jesus had sent his Spirit to comfort them. But they didn't recognize that they were three parts of the same being all the time. And so Paul is pointing this out to them. Jesus has always been there. It was through him that all things were created. And we see that when we go back and read Genesis. If we look at Genesis, it says God spoke. And we definitely see that when we look back at the Gospel of John where he says Jesus was the Word. And so we see the parallel that God's voice is Jesus. And when God came and visited Abraham in Incarnate in a physical form and was talking to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah or about the birth of his son or about anything. When he was there in physical form, that was Jesus incarnate. That was God incarnate. It was the physicality of the invisible God. Abraham saw him and talked with him. Joseph wrestled with him. Or Jacob. Jacob, rather, wrestled with him. And he changed Jacob's name to Israel. With the physicality of God. With the physical being of God. So he's been there through the whole thing. He's created everything that's around us. He set up the kingship that would be David's from the line that he would actually be born and get to walk this earth as a human being, not as a physical spirit on, on this earth but as a human being that we know as Jesus of Nazareth. And so he came and God put his spirit into this person that we call Jesus so that he could live a holy, sinless life as a representation of what we should strive for and that he would die a sinner's death because only he could be raised. And only he could pay that price and make that sacrifice for us. And when he did, he bought each and every one of us with his blood. He paid a price for us. We are his. And so, while our names may carry weight in the community and in the world, the name that carries weight in heaven is Christian. Which literally means little Christ. It was meant to be a slur. It was meant to be something negative. But we have been able to twist it and turn it back on those who would use it against us and say, yes, I am his. It's the same as if someone's called Adamson or Jameson or Jameson. It's, you're calling us 
the son of that person or the child of that person. We are his. We belong to him. And Paul continues on in this and he points out that he, he kind of flips the script a little bit from what is Christ or who is Christ to who are we in that. And starting in verse 21 going through 23, he says, Whence, Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions. He says, Once we were alienated from God. We were hostile in our minds and we expressed that through our evil actions. There's a lot of people in the world say, Well, I'm good. I do good things, but you do them for the wrong reasons. You're doing for the wrong reasons. I want to talk a little bit about something I've seen over and over again here lately. Is a lot of people in the world want to try and point out if you need a threat of hell to be good, then you're not good. Yeah, you're right. I'm not. Neither are you. Because if you need the threat of belittling me to prove my evilness, you're no better. But that's okay because he is good. And it's Him who's acting in me. I don't need the threat of hell. I need the body of Christ. I don't need the threat of eternal damnation. I've already got that without Him. I need His Spirit to change who I am. Paul tells us there is no one good except Him. Without Him, it doesn't matter what all good actions I do. Most everybody in here has worked at some point or another. You go through an interview process and you accept the job. You don't just go through the interview process and then you start working. You have to accept the job. You have to accept the offer. And then you start working. See, before that acceptance of the offer, you can go do as much work as you want for that company, you're never going to get paid. It's not going to work. They don't recognize you as an employee. Christ has extended an offer from the cross to be His. And if you don't accept that offer, you don't reap the rewards. So it doesn't matter how much good you think you're doing in the world, you're doing it for your own benefit, not His. But when you act in His name, you're doing good for Him. Because it comes down to humility. Because you start thinking, I don't care if I get the credit. I can do good, walk away, and they never know it was me. Because it was done in His name. And all they need to recognize is that He sent somebody. And so Paul tells us, says, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions. But, is the start of the next sentence, says, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him, meaning God. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And I, Paul, have become a servant of it. See, there's two big things I want to point out in that last section there. One, reconciled. 
He has reconciled us. Reconciled means to be brought back in. Not just brought in, but brought back in. You see, before the fall of man, we were with God. Adam and Eve walked with God daily. Talked with God. Supped with God. Fellowshiped with God. It's their act of disobedience that separated us from God. And Christ came to bring us back in to that fellowship. To bring us back in to that lifestyle where we can talk with God daily. Where when we live a life according to Christ, we walk with God daily. And when we share a meal with fellow believers, with like-hearted and like-minded people who are focused on Christ, we are eating with God. Because He is there in the midst of those believers. We have been reconciled into that lifestyle. And the second word I want you to look at is in that last sentence. It says, I, Paul, have become a servant of it. He's speaking of the gospel. He is a servant of the gospel. That means that while he may still have the name of Paul, his last name is now Christian. He is a new creation. He is a new part of a different family. Whatever his real last name or title was, I'm not sure it ever tells us. We know he was a Pharisee, so he obviously had some sort of title that they would recognize him as. We also know he was a minister after the road to Damascus. He spent four year, 14 years in study, learning the gospel, memorizing the gospel so that he could plant these churches all over Asia Minor and Greece. But none of that matters without Christ. Christian is his new name. And just like Paul, each and every one of us, when we give in to Christ and accept the offer that comes from the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us, our new name is Christian. And we have become a servant of it. Which means that we answer to our Master who is Jesus Christ. And even he said, I make you as a brother and a sister to me. So our real master is God. And that's who we belong to. So as we go through life and we think about who we are, and as important as it is in the community, because we want to uphold certain ideas of who our family is, or we want to share and have a little bit of influence with people around us and they need to know who we are or who we come from or where we come from. That's all important. But most important is whose we are. And if we can remember to show our life through Christ and show who we are in Christ, that will hold more weight than any title ever put. So I 
want to open up the opportunity if any person is without Christ. The altar is open. And whether you want to come up here or you want to sit in your seat and pray, either is fine. But I encourage you and implore you to share your life with Christ, to give your life to Christ. He has extended an offer like no other that includes the reward of eternity with Him. I don't need the threat of hell, but the promise to heaven. That makes me want to do good. So I open up the altar, no, the altar now to offer anybody the opportunity to give their life to Christ. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I ask that if anybody is on the fence about coming to you and accepting your offer of forgiveness and salvation, Lord, I ask that they come down off the fence and join the fellow believers in order that they want to sit in their pews and pray or come to the altar. I ask that they they go ahead and give their life to you, Lord. And I ask that you honor that request to accept the offer that you extended so long ago and put them to your service, Lord. In whatever format that may be, whether it's ministering to the brokenhearted or sharing the gospel message to the masses, or if it's just comforting friends, or helping widows and orphans, or offering food to those who need it. Whatever service you put them to, Lord, there are many ways to serve you, Lord. And I ask that you honor each and every one of those so that we can recognize that it's not for our glory, but for yours, Lord, and allow us to do it humbly without any expectation of recognition, without any expectation of repayment but to just give in your name whatever we have to give whether it's comfort money or food or clothes whatever Lord I ask that you give us the strength and ability to do that so I ask that anyone who has heard this message or hears this message while it may be important to remember who we are and where we come from it's more important to remember whose we are Lord and that you honor that and remind us daily that we are yours. And that in the name of Jesus Christ we honor you. Amen.